0: I think the biggest thing today in ceramics is how many how many bells and whistles can you put on this cup, coffee cup mm. and i the best
1: logo or the, the yeah, I, think, saying, yeah. I think uh
0: I have the exact opposite view is how can I remove any sense of the idea that clay needs my assistance to be what it is unbelievably good at being, which is beautiful.
1: Mr. Benson, thank you for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Glad to be here. So I don't think, we were just talking about this, I don't think that you and I had officially met until this morning. Right. But... You have been a big influence on two really important people in my life, and that's my wife and best friend. Now, I asked four or five art students before sitting down with you what we should talk about, and, uh, well, they all, give, they all gave very different answers, but one of them said, ask him about Ireland. Oh, wow. I don't know what the context with that is. I, I admit mean, I have no idea, but I imagine there's probably a story there. So,
0: Mr. Benson, Ireland? Uh, yeah, my wife and I try to take, we try to give each other traveling gifts for significant birthdays, so okay. on my 60th birthday last year, my wife gave me a trip to Ireland, and uh, it was a really spiritual experience, it was an unbelievable. Uh, very harsh, um, very rugged country, um, mainly stone and hills and ocean. Okay. And uh, and yet everywhere you would go, there would be uh, these uh, these ancient church ruins, uh, where people had had really eked out a faith hmm. uh, in a in a most barren landscape, and I'm sure a, a very difficult uh, life. And there were also uh, there would just be stones laying in the landscape that would have just a crude cross carved in them. Okay. And it was just such a sincere reminder of the hope of the cross and of our faith and of a culture that really had nothing to hope in, in the landscape and in their day-to-day lives. And it was just really deeply spiritual. We were, we were uh, actually lost, which we spend most of our time lost in foreign countries, which is good. Um, but we were actually lost one day and was on uh, just a very, very narrow road. And um, we came upon uh, this very small church, maybe 30 feet by 60 feet, uh, no roof, no uh, roof. Uh, and the 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 soil had gotten all the way up to the window and there was a little sign posted there that that church was first recorded at the Vatican in four hundred A.D. And wow, it was so meaningful mm-hmm. to think that you know hope reigns supreme in the heart of humans and mm-hmm. and the hope in christ was so meaningful that the that the culture had created ways in which to proclaim that you know hundreds and hundreds of years later to this redneck from east tennessee and yeah it was just a mean, it was just a very meaningful experience we spent 10 days over there bumming around
1: why why did your wife pick that particular place
0: I've always wanted to go to Ireland. Um, my family's actually from Scotland, but um, I, I've just always wanted to go there. I've, we'd never been there in the past. We've been to Europe several times and uh-huh. been a lot of different places, but never Ireland. And So it was just something that, you know, it's a reward for turning 60. <laughs> it's a love gift. It's a pretty
1: know? good reward. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so this wa- this is your your medium is is 3D mm-hmm. so what stands out is the the stonework yes uh, and the the architecture yes so. absolutely well i'm hoping that with this conversation i'll be able to to draw a lot of valuable things about art because my experience in it is on a completely different dimension it's in music so it's it's a completely mm. different sense organ yes. you know um mm-hmm. So I'm 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 looking forward to hearing your approach to art and and some of the lessons that you've drawn from it and sort of the way you see the world if that makes sense. So yeah. I want to um, be a singer.
0: Oh, do you? Okay. Yes, I think that's the most amazing thing. I keep thinking, boy, when I get to heaven, I'm going to sing like Elvis. I'm oh, going to yeah. open my mouth okay. and Elvis is going to come out. That'll be yeah. And it's like what an amazing concept, you know, you have these two pieces of meat and you can blow air through them and Yeah. And you get these incredible yeah. vibrations that, oh, I just long to sing. I wish I could sing. I I really am very uh, envious, approaching sinfully covetous, uh, <laughs> uh, of someone who can sing because it's such a, you know, it's such a, a, a self-contained gift where you can, oh mm-hmm. my goodness, you know, you can yeah. just open your mouth and yeah. out comes.
1: Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's just air, right? It's just yes. oxygen. It's it's about as simple as you can get.
0: Yes, so. and I I don't know about singers, but I know uh, myself. You know, it's, to, to me, making art is mostly process. It's about being able to do okay. the act okay. of making. Okay, and after that, it sort of loses any sort of uh, meaning or context in my life you know once i've had the you know the supreme pleasure of making something and after that you know and so i wonder if it's not true for a singer you know that at any point they can have this immensely meaningful experience and you know whether it's in front of someone or or if it's just in your backyard it doesn't matter it's, it, mm-hmm. you, you still have the privilege of having this this meaningful life experience, so
1: yeah, well, recorded music has kind of changed the scene, and that you actually can go back and stick with something you've made before it used to not be that way really so well i mean the the now that you can sort of freeze your work in time oh, yeah. uh you, something that normally you would only hear once and then it would be gone, yeah, yeah, now yeah. you can go back and you can alter it and doctor it and edit it and make it as you know perfect as possible and uh forget to move on to the next thing so yeah so okay you kind of you kind of hinted at it there but how do you define art in the first place it's more about process uh
0: if you're asking for a definition of an art i would say it's a word (laughs) uh right i don't i don't i don't think you can get past that definition it's just a way in which we've categorized this stuff that we don't know what it is and what it means and it's meaningful. It's significant. It's all cultures have done it. Uh-huh. Um, it's sort of, you know, it's biblical. When God wanted, to, when He first wanted to tell us about Himself, you know, He He said, "Hey, go get me that artist Bezalel, that that sculptor Bezalel, and get him in here because I'm I'm ready to tell you all about Me." And in order for you to really know and understand, I'm going to need a I'm going to need a sculptor. Mm-hmm. So go get him. Okay and uh yeah so i don't but art to me the meaningful part of it is 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 actually the process of making it it's a very difficult process but still that's the that, that's the part that's most meaningful uh, and then uh viewing really really good art and architecture to me is a is a good way to live your life you know spend a significant amount of time doing that mm-hmm. so there you go do you
1: see kind of a hierarchy of art mediums
0: you're get me in trouble with the painting faculty oh you? i don't mean to do that <laughs> i see a hierarchy in dimensions okay. i think i think because we're three-dimensional humans okay all and, right and uh and uh and the you know our reality is three dimension, uh-huh. three dimensional, and um, God's reality uh, as Him in the flesh was three dimensional. Um, not discounting you know the 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 Word became flesh, which uh, plays into another dimension. But I do think dimensionally, three dimensions are the ways in which humans are most. Creative and most likely to be moved creatively by something. Okay. So, I do see a hierarchy in dimensions. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's
1: where we function. It's how we were yes. made. You know, yes. we are
0: three D sculptures ourselves, aren't yes, we? Absolutely. So, in a three D sculpture world, and made out of mud. Yeah, and yeah. in a three D cosmos. Uh huh. Okay.
1: So, what what fits into your I guess
0: area of expertise is it pottery sculpting uh, I am a sculptor. I do teach uh ceramics, pottery okay uh, I find great reward in that as a creative um, I often tell my students there's 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 only one great art object left, and that's the coffee cup that functions as the object used to uh-huh. you know to develop a a significant relationship with the viewer um, okay that's really interesting so um, and i and I really enjoy having really good pottery in my life you know I think it adds meaning and 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 goodness to your life to to drink and eat and hold your toothbrush and you know as many aesthetic objects that you can place in your path every day and interact with you know there's a there's a much different interaction from the coffee cup I used this morning in your you know your water bottle there you have absolutely no personal unless it was a gift and that that's understandable but Uh you know as far as a personal response to that object I definitely have a in fact I drank out of a Michael Klein cup this morning Okay. Uh, specifically picked it out of the cabinet out of dozens of other cups um, drove a thousand miles to get that cup uh, long story but um, I really did drive a thousand miles to get that cup Okay. while we're at it I just tell the story my shop tech I went to school with Michael Klein years and years ago 30 something years ago but um, have not crossed paths often never really responded he's a potter in North Carolina never really responded to his work when I would see it, which wasn't very often. And then uh, my shop tech came in, Megan Peden came in one day, and she had purchased one of his cubs. And um, I began to have a relationship with that cup that I didn't realize. I didn't know what was going on. I would see the cup, and I would be, wow, I, I, I really like whatever whatever's happening to me when I see it. And I began to want the cup, you know, I began to... And I would pick it up, you know, when Megan would have it and have it sitting there, I would pick it up and I would feel the handle and I'd feel the body and feel how it would feel in my hand. And I really wanted that cup and I didn't really know why because I had uh, had long had no affinity to Michael's work and I had only seen it in two dimensions in magazine articles or on the Internet. And I was really taken back by the the simplicity and the sincerity of my response to this cup. And it was being produced in me by this little cup. And it got to the point where I thought, you know, I want one of those cups. It really is that meaningful to me. And um, so I told my wife, let's, let's drive over to Asheville, North Carolina, and then uh, uh, Michael Klein, a potter, is over there, just a maybe an hour away. And let's drive over to his place. I want to see. I've got to have some sort of discovery event with why I'm having such a response to this cup. And I know this sounds like, oh my goodness, this guy's crazy, but I'm not crazy. I just have I just have experiences that that you don't have. But it doesn't mean that there are any less. I think we all have experiences like this and so we did we actually last winter drove uh to to you know we got on a we got on i-40 and then we got on some other road and then we got on some other road and then Mm -hmm. at the end we were on just like this road just big enough for our truck to fit on the side of a mountain and uh, it literally was that way down below was a river and an old uh, abandoned railroad bed and and uh, we made a real sharp curve and come out of the trees, and here was this hillside with this pottery up on it, like you would think of a mountain pottery. Should have had goats walking around the yard. He probably did somewhere. Probably did. And so I went, and we know each other, you know, just because we went to school. He was a undergraduate. I think I was a graduate at the time. and uh, And I... We poked around his studio and talked, Betty and I, and him, and his apprentice, and his dog. And uh, I told him what was going on, and I wanted a, I wanted a coffee cup. I was, I actually had driven 500 miles over there to get this coffee cup. And uh, the first thing he said was, "Let's trade." And wow. I said, "Well, wow, well, Michael, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't carry a cup around with me." And then I thought, no, I do. I carry a cup in my truck. And I said, well, I have a, an old cup of mine in my truck that was one of my favorites. I, I keep one in each one of our cars. And we traded. And um, so that's a long story about the meaning that, that pottery has had in my life. It's, it's more of a day-to-day enlivening you know the sixteen or so hours of any given day that that we are given, where most of our days are are unenlivened in doing things that don't bring life to us as humans mm-hmm. Pottery does that for you, and you won't understand that until you begin to take a pottery class, but it never fails it is uh it's that meaningful yeah I think I think. God had something, you know, he had this love affair with clay. It's all through the Bible. And I, you know, it's something it's something very spiritual about it. But I am a sculptor, but I do enjoy pottery. I, but, um, yeah, I'm a sculptor, and my, uh, my family are all sculptors, and we run Vincent Sculpture LLC and make sculpture all over the world. So, yeah. It's a family business.
1: Well, first of all, that's a deeply meaningful story. Uh, secondly, you mentioned the word sincerity. So when Macklin and I have talked about sculpting and pottery, he's used that word before too, and I never really know what he means by that. What is, what is sincerity in, in the pottery world?
0: Well, I'll, I'll tell you what the word means, and that'll help you understand what, what it means to us. Uh, sincere is a Greek word which means without wax, Okay. And um, what that meant was when they would uh, – now, uh, an old uh, sculptor in Colorado, Bill Walden, taught me this years ago. I used to teach at Golden Eagle Ranch, taught uh, bronze casting up there. In fact, took three union classes up there. We'd spend a month at 10,000 feet. Just an unbelievable, meaningful experience. But he, Bill Walden taught me this. He said, when the Greeks would cast a bronze sculpture – If they had a crack in it, they would fill it with brown wax, which burnishes like bronze. It looks like bronze. It doesn't discolor like bronze. Uh, So it's just a perfect match to hide the flaw of the crack in, in the bronze cast. But if the sculptor was fortunate enough and good enough to... To, to cast a sculpture in bronze and and it had no cracks in it. It was called sincere or without wax okay. which meant it was the most sincere expression of the artist's talent and so that's what that you know that's what that means is that ceramics can a lot of times be the most sincere thing that a potter will do when the piece is not flawed. And a lot of times cracks aren't even flaws in ceramics. They're just signals of great stress that the fire has placed on this vessel and still...
1: that's what I was about to ask is why why are cracks necessarily something to be avoided... Yeah, yeah
0: there, You know, I had a student last semester, Joshua Smith, and uh, yeah, I know Joshua. he was having. Yeah, he was yeah. he was doing some some wood fire and some working with some big pieces. And uh, he, one time he was really struggling. He was having he was, his work was cracking in the fire. And one day he told me he said, "Mr. Benson, I'm I'm having a, I'm having a problem with cracks." And I was like, "You don't have, um, you know, cracks is not your problem. You have a problem." that you can't see that that is just an expression of the tremendous amount of stress that this material is under Mm -hmm. in this firing process and yet it cracks but it still is beautiful Mm -hmm. and so uh, you didn't have a crack problem, you had a problem with cracks and you shouldn't and I think those are one of those things that I think this young student actually understood Mm -hmm. that in pottery, you know, these vessels go through a tremendous amount of stress in that kiln. And and we have no involvement, very little. You can play around with, the, you know, the carbon in the kiln or the oxygen in the kiln. But generally speaking, it's just the tremendous amount of heat that's transforming these vessels into something beautiful. And, and so a lot of times uh, cracks can just be a recording of that process, the tremendous strain of, of that process, which is, you know, biblical and, and and resonates with humans. You know, we all are cracked and scarred in ways in which, right. you know, the stresses of life have, you know, laid their stripes across our back. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's why cracks can be beautiful, and that's where we get the word sincere, and that's why I use it a lot.
1: I like to use... In in a, a context like this, I, I find that the analogy of guitar strings is really helpful mm-hmm. because they have to be stretched almost to the point of breaking
0: oh, yeah. in order yeah, to yeah, yeah. in
1: order to achieve the the beautiful sound that you're going for. Yeah, um, and it's they they play best when they're in a, kind of a state of agony. So um, I'll just
0: steal that and use it in class. I'll,
1: all right, <laughs> I'd be honored. That's a great
0: that's a great metaphor. <laughs> well, that is a great. Metaphor. I like it
1: because you have six six strings and they all have their own individual almost breaking points but they all work together in harmony wow. so it's it's a community of of beauty and suffering i guess you could say wow. so um okay so sincerity does it if i'm hearing you right does it, are you saying that it's the it's that there are fewer uh, barriers between the potter and his work it's like if you're taking the wa- if there's no wax then that means that you're as close to it as you can be is that the idea
0: yes i think i think all creatives have a have a have an idea in their mind of okay. perfection okay of not perfection as in perfect perfection as in the most sincere Work. A lot of times it's when you don't s- actually see the artist reflected in the work, but you allow the work to be what work can be. And, okay, And okay. that is, I think, that is part of the creative process, is knowing when you have allowed whatever material you're using to be, at its most true and when you've done that boy is it is it a it is just such an unbelievably satisfying experience
1: is that something you can set out to achieve like i'm going to be sincere with this one or yeah. does it just kind of happen
0: i don't know i think and you know i only have my story to relate to but i think in my life it just happened because I think, you know, I don't want to get all religious, but I think because of abounding grace and the the continued acknowledgement of that, uh-huh. grace coming from God, not grace, you know, just, you know, that just occurs. But, I mean, I believe in abounding grace, and grace abounds most toward me. And I think as... As you mature as an artist, you, you know, you know that point where, where your work is just, it is just so revealing of, of the grace of whatever material. I mean, Uh I didn't make clay. Boy, I wish, wouldn't that be something on my resume? (laughs) Uh, clay, that's me, (laughs) or paint, uh-huh. or in your case, a vibration. Right. I mean, could you imagine that's on your, on your resume? Oh, yeah, vibration in my throat, yeah, it vibrates. Yeah. Inventing and, oxygen. Uh, yeah, yeah, or, you know, guitar strings, these, these things, you, they, they vibrate, and, and, if, and if you're really good, they'll vibrate exactly yeah. at the perfect whatever it is, tone or pitch, What I, I don't understand. That's another thing, boy, I'd like to play guitar. <laughs> Piano, mostly, but... And I think that's uh, when we begin to understand... tremendous amount of grace that is shared with us you know that guitar strings vibrate at -hmm. a beautiful it makes such a beautiful sound or that you know that paint color exists Mm -hmm. you know and then we are made to see it and enjoy it I think that, that kind of grace that is the divine grace I think that has a lot to do with making better and better work. Okay, so,
1: and you can you can pursue sincerity by focusing on the grace involved. Yes, I'm still I'm still rolling it around yeah, in my yeah. head trying to. You no, know. I
0: think I think it just in my case yeah. that has been what has really opened up a lot of doors in the last fifteen years of my life. I mean, I I really have enjoyed a great. A great revival, or Renaissance. You take your, mm-hmm. you know, take your pick of which words you want to use, but in my own life, that I uh, attribute to God and His grace. Um, but you know, God's great. You know, it rains on the just and the unjust, and there's some marvelously wonderful work and workers in the arts that would not necessarily attribute. Um, the things that they really know are grace-filled to a specific entity or God. Uh-huh. So, you know, God's grace is abundant, and it, and he doesn't—he's no—he's not going to— you know, a rose smell like a rose to Hitler, you know? What a gift, you know? Yeah. So
1: there okay. you go. So what in in these, I guess— the things that you make a lot of, whether, whether, whether coffee mugs or plates or bowls, what are things that lay people like myself can try to look for to appreciate it better? Mm -hmm. Like what, what are, what are things that, that help it along in terms of beauty? Macklin and I have talked some about handles. You know, Mm -hmm. he, he cares a lot about the type of handle that the coffee mug has. Mm -hmm. I don't really have an eye for that yet, but Mm -hmm. I'd like to at some point. So, how could how could i start to learn in that area
0: you know i think I, I think the old adage you know buy what you like that's what i would encourage you to if something you know functionality is you know whatever you say a coffee cup has to function it's got to it's got to hold hot liquid and and be able for you to hold it not burn your fingers or hands and then you got to get it into your mouth and mm-hmm. so uh it, you know, a good ceramics piece will function well, but but a great, great piece doesn't have to function well. You know, there's some pieces that I have. In fact, there's a piece I use every day that the handle just doesn't fit well. It okay. just doesn't. And it doesn't feel good on my hand. But the person that made it, I dearly love. I just think the world of her. And so I use it to tie me to that memory of that human being. Okay. Okay. And is and so there's you know there's not there's not a set answer there. But you know function is pretty important. Yeah. Yeah. For uh for anyone that's going to buy pottery. Um and then you know aesthetics. You know, some people like red, some people like blue, some people like green, some people like brown. I tend toward brown. You know, it's, hard to understand one color you know so you spend a lifetime thinking you know trying to understand one you won't but boy it's a life well lived Uh so uh, you know i would just encourage you to place as many of these objects in your life you know that that your life has to interact with and uh See what happens. Yeah.
1: Well, that's hopeful because my favorite my favorite mug that I have is a it's a metal can that has let me get my keychain. It literally has one of these things nailed to the side for the handle. Um, and so I'm thinking when talking to someone like you or Macklin, I'm thinking like, what does that say about me as a person? Just my <laughs> my aesthetic sense. It it seems to break all the rules of what I think would make a good mug. But where'd you get it? It was a gift. So it's sentimental, oh yeah, it's and so I've taken it on many camping trips, yeah. and so it mm-hmm. has loads mm-hmm. of memories attached oh, yeah. to it. No, you're right, on and it's track. the perfect size for six ounces of
0: coffee. Oh, um, so we're yeah. all in the same canoe. Yeah, you're just you're just articulating exactly the way that we all feel, you know, okay. or people in generally people in ceramics feel.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, that's encouraging. Yeah, because I look at that and I'm thinking, like, what is it visually that I like about it, and I can't figure it out so maybe it's maybe it's not all about the visual then
0: yeah a lot of it has to do with what do you like hmm. you know, what okay. brings meaning to you
1: how'd you get started with all this
0: uh I'm I've always drawn from since I was a little boy and um just enjoyed the act of drawing and um you know uh, went into college right out of high school didn't didn't have a very successful or long career. It didn't even last a semester, and I left where they invited me to leave, which was <laughs> okay. very, very quickly <laughs> going to happen. Uh, went in the navy, did a lot of uh, bombing around the country, and um, it's just it's a real long story, and I won't get into it. But um, I I got to go back to college through a, a relationship, friendship with a person, and. And uh, and that was that was unbelievable to me that I was that I could go to college. I thought I was too dumb to go to college. And um, always took a uh, always took an art class. I was at Tennessee Tech. I wasn't an art major. I was a geology major at the time. And but my art teacher, she was really quite um, encouraging about what I was doing and. She told me that the University of Tennessee had just built a brand new art facility and I should go up and look at it. And I did. And I was just uh, astounded by the these young kids. You know, I, I didn't know what art was. I, I barely know what it is now. It's a word, like I said, but I had no concept of the training and the 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 sincerity of the practice. Um uh, I basically thought it was, wow, if you could draw something, made it look like what it was, then, boy, you were an artist, which is so far removed from the truth. Um, And so I went up to UT through a series of events. I got to move to Knoxville and um, was still a geology major, but um, the secretary in the art department, she kept encouraging me to, hey, why don't you think about being an art major? And I finally did. I was like, you know, I love this. And if I learned anything in the Navy, it was I really wanted to do something every day that I love to do. Uh, And I figured if you could if you could do that, you would you would you would be smart enough to figure out how to get paid for it, you know, to make enough money that you could. uh, You know, you could do the American dream, which to me was a wife and family and a home and and get to do what you love all day long. Right. And so I changed my major and. Um boy, the University of Tennessee was such a gift to me. I mean, the professor's uh, very, very strict, very um, distant. Not distant in a negative way, but that you just didn't approach the professor. You didn't have conversations with the professor. You um, you didn't go into the professor's office or nothing like that. I, that was nothing like the, my college experience. But, boy, were they brilliant people. And they, when it, when it was time... Uh, you know, when you got in front of them in the classroom, in the studio, boy, they could perform and they knew their stuff and they could teach me, you know, they could teach me how to draw, which I, I thought I could draw. And, you know, they just opened up, I just can't say enough about my college experience and how rich and rewarding it was to learn just the basics.
1: What school did you say this was?
0: University of Tennessee, Knoxville. Okay. And um, and that's how I got started. I just always loved to draw. And, you know, by God's grace, because trust me, it wasn't anything I was doing. I was a bum. Um, he just brought me there. And, and uh, yeah, that's how it all got started.
1: You said you were in the Navy? Mm-hmm. And then college after that?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I went to one almost a full semester at Tennessee Tech uh-huh. at 18. Right. That didn't quite work out.
1: So then you went to the Navy? <laughs> yes. How long were you in the Navy?
0: Uh, three and a half years, full, uh, 79 to 81. Uh, that was a long time ago.
1: What was it like going to college after having some life experience like that? Because most people that go to college have the opposite experience where college— is sort of their first life experience and they've never been outside the education bubble.
0: Yeah. Well one thing the uh, the military will teach you, boy, you can do anything, okay. especially if you're told to. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. They don't tell you, they order you, especially if you're ordered to. Okay. Um, so discipline Yes, yeah, just knowing, boy, There, I don't have a drop and ad. Of course I didn't know what drop an ad was then, but you know, if 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 they said get out there in that freezing cold weather, you know, somewhere in the North Atlantic and mm-hmm. you know, grease this cable. It wasn't like you said no, it's too yeah. cold. Right. Or I'm sleeping in or whatever. You did what you were told. I mean that's that's the that's the beauty of the military is that they have a really great way of, you know, breaking you down in the in the beginning and then rebuilding you in a way that you will function well as a military person. You know, when they say mm-hmm. charge, you know, everything's like, oh, are you crazy? <laughs> they got guns over there. <laughs> How about <laughs> charging? <laughs> well, you can't have that. You know, you, when they say charge, yeah. you charge. That's yeah. because they have a great system of, of of breaking you down and breaking down that individuality and, that, and then making you understand you can do anything really up until the point you die, and they put you in those kind of situations where you, you know, they'll lock a door behind you and you're not coming out. I mean, in, 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 in training, sure, at the end you know, but the point is to say to you, you will drown down there, shoring up this ship so it does not sink. And that's your job. Hmm. And so even though you're not placed, or I wasn't, you know, hundreds of thousands of our men and women have been throughout our history, they do train you to know this is not an option. This is what we expect. This is the way we expect you to perform. And they have all kinds of mundane, tedious, difficult ways to to train you. So that was the best thing that I learned. And then second was, boy, I, I want to do something I love every day. I want to work this hard, but doing something I love. And those two things really... Gave me the life experience to know that. But when that professor says read the book, he doesn't mean read it; he means study it. Hmm. And if you're going to pay, because I was paying my own way through, I had to work my way through after, right? You know, the, after the navy. But if you're going to, if you're going to pay money, or invest, that's what I try to tell my students: you're you're investing in yourself, just like you would invest in Apple or Netflix or anything else you should get a tremendous return from that investment. And the only way to do it is study the text or do well, whatever it is, to the best of your ability, whatever you're assigned. So that was the best thing of that. Because I was not not mature enough to go to college at 18. I just was not. Um, I didn't have the... And that does not and I was not the norm I don't think I think there's a lot of young people that are mature enough to go into the, to college at 18 and really excel okay you know life is focused and and they know exactly what they want to be and do and and they really um, they're really focused individuals. I just was not that individual so yeah I think the military did me it served me a lot more a lot better than I served the military okay it was a really great experience in my life.
1: Wow. But then you went from being almost not a college student at all to now teaching at a university. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that great? So so there's more to that story. What happened after that?
0: Uh, Like I said, I met an individual, actually a professor, um, that came. um, uh, She was actually having dinner with my parents. She was a a member of their church. My dad was a pastor after I came out of the Navy and um she asked me one night what uh that night asked me, you know, to give me a little you know, it's just asking, you know, just conversationally asking me about my life. And and I just happened to tell her about my college experience. And I said I was too dumb to go to college. You know, I I failed everything. I failed every class I took and mm-hmm. which were just Core classes, English history, uh, math, and, uh, and she asked me some more questions, and I sort of related to her, and then told her what I was doing. I was actually working at a truck stop washing 18-wheelers, and it was, in, it was winter time. Okay. And uh, after I finished, she looked at me, and she goes, Aaron, uh, you're not too dumb to go to college. You're too stupid to go. And... I, you know, that sort of thing didn't faze me, being in the military. They call you a lot worse than stupid uh-huh. uh, and, and, and add plenty of cuss words to enforce the, the meaning of what they're saying. Uh, but she went on to explain to me that, that you know, when you were asked, when the professor said, read the book, that wasn't a suggestion. He wasn't like, you know, this is not grade 13. You know, you pay for this educational experience. You know, K through 12, you have to go. But after that, you pay, and you should look at it that way and that these are really bright people, and they have a lot to offer, but you have got to invest mightily in the process. And, uh, yeah, she asked me what my hardest subject was. I said Math and uh, she said, well, uh, she said, I'll teach you how to go to college and be a huge success if you'll do it, but you have to do what I tell you to do, and uh, I said, okay, she said, well, go over there and sign up for a for a math class, you know, spring semester's coming up, this in the middle of the winter at Tennessee Tech, and um, so I signed up, for, and she, she told me five or six things that I needed to do, and uh, do every day and apply myself, and I'd get off at seven at the truck stop and run home, take a shower, wash all that diesel fuel off of me, and then be in class at eight o'clock. I made a B plus in that class. I could not believe. It. I mean, I was so shocked that my worst subject I I made a B plus in college, and that really I tell my students all the time: you're going to have four or five significant life experiences in your whole life. I'm 61. I've had four, but going to college was one of them. It, and by significant life experience, I mean changes the direction of your life. And college did. It changed the direction of my life. It changed the direction of my entire family.
1: At some point, if if you don't mind sharing, I'd like to hear what the other experiences are. Uh, but I also want to continue on this track of your story. So
0: That's the story. I um, After that, I signed up. Okay. Um, uh, for a full load, and um, uh, and that drawing teacher met her, and um, my brother was working at the deaf school in Knoxville, and uh, and in all that process of being encouraged to go look at UT's new art building, and um, the deaf school in Knoxville had had a, a riot in the high school boys' dorm, and uh, they were looking for large. Me and big guys to move, i mean to work in the high school boys' dorm, and my they had asked my brother to do it. My older brother he worked in the elementary dorm, and uh he said no, he didn't want to go down there, but he said you know i've got a my little brother's actually bigger than me, you know you may want to interview him, and that's how I eventually got to go to Knoxville and transfer to u t and was able to everything that everything good, but my youngest daughter that's ever happened to me happened in in Knoxville at, U, at the at TSD you know I met okay. my beautiful wife there and the most you know significant human on the planet and most uh, interesting certainly the most intriguing and um you know had uh, three of my four children uh, went through a very spiritually meaningful renewal of my faith um, got three college degrees you know, so that's that's how I ended up. How did you start?
1: How did you go from that to teaching? Then
0: had a great professor, Dr. Jim Darrow. Oh, actually, that that first professor I met at Tech, she always seemed to be like getting to do everything she wanted to do. It's like, okay. wow, what a great job! <laughs> and then I had a great professor. I had s- several great professors at UT, but Dr. Jim Darrow was probably the most significant professor. He was the head of the ceramics program. Um and he was you know he was always like, Where's Dr. Darrell? Oh, he's in Argentina doing a workshop or where's Dr. Darrell? Oh, he's in Southeast Asia attending a ceramic symposium. And he had this huge studio and mm-hmm. uh, you know, had a studio at home and uh you know, he was just a great great man that I would look to and think, Wow. That's a way in which you know everybody all artists have to create income streams I mean Rodin sold Christmas cards on the streets of Paris. I mean everybody has to create income streams you know there's there's very just a just a very few people that even the even the most famous people they still do other things, most of them teach they either do workshops or they and uh Yeah, I just really admired these two individuals. I admired all my professors. They were very, they were helping me a ton. I mean, I didn't know anything. I didn't know the, I thought I did. And that got cleared up, you know, when I was 18. Hmm. And then what didn't get cleared up, the Navy cleared up. Yeah. (laughs) And made me realize I don't know very much. Uh, But boy, I was in the right place. You know, a college campus, boy, they know everything and have a class in it you know, so you can take a class. And, and so just seeing that these people were excelling in their field, but also uh, teaching and, and really impacting my life, I thought, wow, this is, a, this is a way to go. And then, you know, eventually when I started studying Vizalel that I talked about earlier in this conversation, you know, it, it, he's the first man that was filled with the Spirit of God the, in the Bible, the first one that said that he was filled with the Spirit of God. And he was filled with the Spirit of God to make art. But most people stopped there, but it also says and to teach others how to make art.
1: Oh, okay. I never noticed that.
0: I didn't either. So I think I think all those combined sort of led me to, you know, to thinking about... I, ne- I never really thought... I, pfft, You can ask my wife. Being a professor was like, there was nothing so out of my imagination as that. That was too good. And I tell my students all the time, you know, you sit down and write down your dream life and you will never write down how good it's going to be. I mean, you look at your list when you're 60 and go, oh my goodness, I had dreams so small and such shallow dreams and yet, by grace again, I have been offered an opportunity to live an unbelievable life. So, now well, there you go. I, it's grace, boy. Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, sounds like it. Mm-hmm.
1: May I ask what the other significant life moments are?
0: Got saved, spared my fra- spared me from myself. When Didn't, was this? Uh. When I was six, in fact I just visited that church about a month ago, my wife and I. We we're traveling. We we road trip, you know, we we picnic and hike and that's about the limit of our life. And um, so we were up going up through East Tennessee Mountains and stopped at um Cleveland, Tennessee at um, there was a little church there called Maple Avenue Baptist Church. My dad was the pastor at and I went to mayfield elementary school in fact it's now part of lee college um beautiful university and i hadn't i hadn't been to cleveland and i don't know when i it's been years and years and didn't i knew there was a college there because i would walk from this elementary school to to a neighbor who would keep me keep us for an hour or two till my dad or mom would pick us up but um Yeah, that was when I was um, very young, six, maybe seven, six, I think. But then on, um, uh, you know, I had an experience on July the 5th, 1986, and then on November the 10th, 1986, I got down on my knees and. Yeah. Did the deal. Mm hmm. I don't think it was salvation, but boy, it was lordship.
1: Mm. It's the start of the journey. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I—I mean, I, because of my own experience, I think of it more as a journey. Anyway, I mean, growing up in a Christian family, mm-hmm. I kind of have to think of it that way because I don't really remember having a a, a, a profound conversion experience. Oh yeah. So I—I kind of I, I have to think of it as as a lifetime rather oh, yeah. than a single moment absolutely so. i
0: totally understand what you're saying yeah yeah i um, have no memory of that experience when i was six or seven except that i was holding my dad's hand i remember that mm-hmm. part but not i don't have a visual memory yeah, i just have right. a vague memory right. of holding his hand right yeah but it is uh you know it's just all grace and yeah and and, and the working out of our salvation is a Lifelong process. and it doesn't mean that we're saved every day, but we are uh-huh. saved from ourselves every day. Uh-huh. If we want to be. And we need to be. Yeah, yeah. And you
1: you said uh, your daughter was one of them also?
0: No. Uh, then my four children. Uh-huh. Um, getting well, And then Betty. I mean, that was... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I used to watch her walk around campus and think... She was the dean of students. And I would think, wow... That is one fine young woman, uh-huh. and um, she was actually my boss's boss. But I just thought the I just I didn't know her um, only as an administrator in the in the deaf school. And but what I did know of her in my interactions with her, she was a very intriguing human, um, very ambitious in not like oh I want a job, but ambitious in living. She lived fully lived, I felt like, mm-hmm. and um, so salvation, and then meeting her, and her saying I do, and actually meaning it, and yeah. doing it, and, yeah. and then having our, our four children, uh, and now you know three wonderful, uh, uh, two daughter in laws and a son in law were wonderful humans. One of them's actually a union grad, and uh, and uh, then going to college. Those are the four significant life experiences that have really changed my life and changed you know, art has really changed my I mean, we, we run a family business, like I said, making sculpture everywhere. So mm-hmm. college had a profound effect on my life, changed my life.
1: Sounds like it. Well, union is the what is it, the number one art school in Christian higher ed? Is that is that the right way to say it?
0: I think I think so. Number one's the right way, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: I pass by the poster every day. It's, it's on the you know on the, the, yeah, we the banner. We work really hard over there. Yeah,
0: all of us do. The faculty are just amazing.
1: What, um, what do you think sets
0: it apart? You know, I don't know. I think God does. Um, I don't know. We get along exceptionally well as a faculty. We've, okay. Our faculty meetings are nothing more than a bunch of laughter and cut-up, you know, and mm-hmm. we obviously cover the things we need to cover, but, uh, you know, we have a really, really good working relationship. I think, you know, again, I hate to use grace all this time because, you know, it can become so overused that you forget that it is what it is, but, mm. um I do try to consciously acknowledge grace in my life and I think one one areas of grace is, is really getting along with people you work with. And we have um we have great facilities, not uh, I say great, great to what we've had here. Yeah. Uh, there's significant improvements that could be made in our facility, especially in our allocation of space. We've we've lost space over the years, but uh, I, I really, it's unimaginable what unions Art department could do for the kingdom of God if we had, um, if we had greater resources. And I understand resource allocation is a matter of, first of all, having the resources to allocate. So, sure. Uh, and then we have great students. I mean, we have, um, you know, your your best friends. One of them. One of the most. Um, he He's one of these uh, really gifted students that sort of get it, you know, and by that I don't mean he gets, he learns the skill, but I think he gets the God portion of it, that this is the way we have chosen to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, mm-hmm. and what a gift that is that we yeah. get, we do, like you, would. I would say probably... Uh, Make and play music as a way in which, you know, to enjoy your your relationship with God, mm-hmm. and I think that's what I, when I say Macklin got it, that's what I mean by him. So we have really great students. Yeah, um, yeah, we just. Uh,
1: well, I think I think Macklin. I mean, I hesitate to speak for him, but I think he would say that that the way that he worships God. Involves his hands, mm-hmm. that he, you know, he, he worships God through movement and through doing. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Now, Angela, my wife, her, her, I guess, profound experience with you in the art department was through the 3D class. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I've never taken that class, but I've heard a lot about it. So you mentioned, you mentioned uh, being broken down in the navy uh and it seems like people tend to have a similar experience in your 3D class so how does that work you 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 divide the artistic experience into its most basic components is that how it works
0: yeah you um i think a lot uh, a lot of students at union come to come to the art department exactly the way i came and that is with the ability to draw, um, and have always enjoyed that aspect of their life, uh-huh. and have, have received a tremendous amount of, of uh, affirmation, you know, when someone draws well, people affirm that, oh wow, that looks great, looks just like that chair, you know, you're drawing a chair, it looks just like it, um, and, and drawing is a, a very meaningful skill in the arts, but it is not necessarily making art or having a product that ends up being art. It is a skill. And so I think 3D is... uh, Art making is this. You walk into an empty room and you say to yourself, I've got to make a work of art. And the enormity of that task never never goes away. But at the beginning, you don't know the enormity of the task. Okay. You know, you don't know the difficulty of it because you can draw a chair and it looks like a chair. And so you feel like you have, you know, you have accomplished the the goal of making art. And art is so, I mean, we could spend all day talking about it, but it's so utterly unbelievably more meaningful and, than that. It is, you know, it's about materiality. What material can carry the burden of your idea? It's, uh, it's about concept. You know, do you, first of all, do you have anything to say? Where do you go to have something to say? Who gets to say? Um, are you up to the task uh the task of making art is is quite difficult who gets to say yeah so. who who speaks truth to you uh-huh. and that's what art should do it should profess the truth of something uh, that's what art traditionally has done it's it it professes the truth of any given culture you know the most true things they hold on to are the things that they get the artist to make work about Okay. And um, who gets to do that? Who gets to make that work? Um, so there's, there's so much to learn. And I think 3D, I tried to, number one, convince them, like me, that I didn't know a lot. I thought I knew a lot, but I didn't know. But boy, was I in the right place because these professors were brilliant i mean they just mm-hmm. were they were just so smart but they also made phenomenal work which was the first thing that attracted me that made me feel like these professors were were very very brilliant people was that they made very very brilliant work and so that's what 3d is about is trying to get you to to understand that art is such, so much more profound and meaningful than you think and, and then availing yourself of, of the place where you're at and that is a college campus where we are meant to profess the truth of your discipline and boy do we work hard at it I probably read 20 books a year on just how to teach better than I teach and how to relay you know the concepts of, of, of art practice you know it's uh, I tell students all the time and even parents when they come here it's you know making art is really the easy part we're all sort of committed to the creative act it's being an artist that's the most difficult I mean that's exceptionally challenging to live, okay
1: what what do you mean by that
0: to actually be one okay you know it's it's it doesn't count if you call yourself an artist that doesn't count it counts if you get to if the world accepts that enough to allow you to practice it you know they give you shows they they buy your work they hire you to do great things and then in the end I think history will make its own judge in the arts. Now,
1: so would you say that Van Gogh was not an artist until after he died then?
0: No, I think um I think Van Gogh was a believer in this great God and um uh, and he he had to find a way in which that belief could be manifests yeah. by him acknowledging the greatness of God and the care and the love and and that that color and light and a zealous approach to the process was you know, far enough ahead that he had to wait for the world to show up. Yeah, yeah. And once they showed up, you know, his accolades came in heaven, you know, which is the way, you know, a lot of things work that way that, you know, I didn't know what Goodhart was when I came to UT, And, and I didn't when I left UT, but I sure knew a ton more than I did when I came. I knew I knew a, enough to boy make me hungry for for to, to, to really commit my life in service to, to God in this field and uh, and then try to teach others how to do the same thing mm-hmm. and sort of 3D class is sort of that class where you you know you're confronted with the reality that you just go into an empty room and say boy I gotta make a work of art that's a that's a difficult process, you know, to think. Golly, I have to make a work of art, and accept the failures that go along with that. You mm. know. And there's a lot more failures. Than so failure s-
1: is part of part Life. of the the process. <laughs> yeah.
0: Of yes, it's failures. The part of music and yeah, oh, for sure, sculpture and teaching and parenthood and rocket design. You know failure is just a it's just a pro, you know it's just a product of being alive. you might as well just accept it and not yeah. be not be paralyzed by it
1: well, how do you break the students down? What does that look like
0: you know i don't I don't know that I'm that successful at it i don't i- would, i never thought about it that way um, I'm thinking three d specifically yeah yeah. I think I allow great art to speak for itself. Okay. Great material. Uh, Anish Kapoor and Ursula von Rydingsvard and Andy Goldsworthy, Tamien Hurst, people like that, that really make significant work. Okay. And I think if you look at these, all these people I just mentioned and others, you know, there's a lot we look at. They really are very aware of material and the overwhelming sincerity of so, like Damien Hurst's butterfly wings," or you know, But I wish that was on my resume. <laughs> oh, yeah, butterfly wings. I thought that up. Yeah, that was me. And I think uh, ridings vard uh, cedar wood. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, God's sitting around heaven. You know, I think I'm going to make this tree. It's called cedar. But here, smell it. What you think? Mm. And all the angels are like, oh, boy, that smells good. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to make it into a tree and just put them around. And I think, I mean, I know that's facetious, but I, you know, I, I think these artists are ways in which you can look at materiality in ways, you know, what? What can carry the burden of Christ, you know? What material can carry that burden? And once you think of it that way, you realize that's a sincere way to think because you can't really sincerely talk about Christ with plastic, I don't think. Interesting. Uh, You certainly wouldn't as an artist, I don't think. Uh You would be... I think you would be you know, you would feel the you'd feel the burden of the lesser than of the material uh-huh. than the actual being you were trying to say something about. So those kind of things that you can maybe open a student up to that art making is a it is it's an unbelievably rich subject and it's got a lot of of canon there's a canon of understanding and knowledge and and boy union has it and you've paid your tuition and get in there and let's have at it now how successful I am I I feel like I'm less successful now than I was maybe 10 years ago and I don't I don't know why that is probably me just not as effective as a teacher as I used to be or and this
1: is in terms of what the students get out of it or
0: yes i think so okay. it's a very difficult class to I, I will say this it is a difficult class academically to understand what you're trying to get yeah because you've been you've been affirmed your whole life to just draw well or you know paint a pretty picture or you know make a make something pretty mm-hmm. and 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 so you have to confront that right off that boy, you're about to be immersed in other ways and other ways of making and and you have got to catch on to saying yes, I'm going down this river with you, I am going to climb this mountain with you." Because it is, it certainly is a mountain, uh, and and we do we just break it down to the elements, and the the unbelievable grace you know like line nobody ever think no no preacher ever preaches on line
1: well this is the example I had in my head so my wife will say things if we're if we're driving along and she sees a tree line she'll see look at that that's the
0: power of line and I'm like what are you talking about <laughs> yeah but think about it I mean yeah. You're going to use line all day today. You're going to write with it. You know, you're going to. It's going to help you drive. It's going to. You know, all the ways in which line serves you well. Did you invent that? Somebody's unbelievable smart, aren't they, to think that concept up? But then, think about how kind they are because they share it. I wouldn't share a line if I had invented line. Really, if I was just sitting around in a void. You know, which that's what the Bible says. It was, you know, it was all formless and formless void. And void yeah. There's nothing there, and there's certainly no lines. And and I and I thought up this thing called line. And then I, I was like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna use all kinds of ways to make them. You know, trees can make them, the clouds can make them, the horizon can make them, pencils can make them, graphite can make them, paint can make them. You know, your finger can make them, and they're gonna be. So rich in what they're gonna offer human beings, and you know they're gonna they're gonna use it to write great music and and they're gonna use it to write great books and they're gonna put it on asphalt to make sure that we drive safe and don't kill each other and mm-hmm. and And they're also gonna make art and they're gonna but no one was ever going, "Hey, you know I want to thank you for that." You know, I I think. In fact, I'm so grateful. I might just want to go out and build an altar, just to say I'm grateful that you thought up line and then you shared it. If it was me, I I would let you use it all day for a nickel. I'd be I'd be reasonable about it. (laughs) But everyone on the planet would give me a nickel every day Uh because I it was my idea, and I and and but I'm not going to share. I'm just not going to give it away. You know, you're going to have to pay me a nickel. I'd be a billionaire, you know, tomorrow. And I think that's what we do is we try to look at these basic elements of, uh, you know, form and line, color, texture, and, and break them down to let you see how brilliant someone is. But more importantly, how kind they are, that they just share. They don't. And then they make us so we get to enjoy, you know, our body is just receptors for enjoying all this, these elements, you know.
1: I, I couldn't, I, I don't think I could define it if I was asked to, but I, I have an idea in my head of what color and texture is. But what is form? I have no idea what that is. You are. Okay.
0: All right, let me, I'll give you another example. Your wife is. Aren't you glad? Yes. Uh-huh. See, there's enough said. You learned the lesson. Better form than I am, for sure. Wouldn't it be terrible if she was two-dimensional? Yeah. Okay. And she's pretty... The material's pretty sincere in it. Yeah. Unbelievable form made of material that's very sincere. Okay. But there was no... uh, What's your wife's name again? Angela. There was no Angela. There was a concept of Angela in this being's head, in his heart. There was no form to her. You know, before there was any thought of her, she was conceived as a form, a living being with a spirit. You know, I don't, you we know, don't get into theology. I'll say that for the Christian Studies program. But she was conceived as a form, first and foremost. And as you just testified, boy, somebody was good at it. And they are. I mean, think about it. Uh, you have any children yet? One. You know, she, she put pizza and Coke in her mouth and grew a human being. Now, that's a concept right there. Boy, wouldn't you like to have that on your resume? Oh, yeah, you just take some corn and some pizza and a hamburger and some Coke and just keep sticking it in your mouth, and, and you're, gonna grow, you're not going to grow a Mac computer. I mean, that would be, like, dull. You're gonna grow a human being. And then all of a sudden you know it's you know five billion on the earth. Now there's five billion in one and he's yours or she's yours. Here you go. Human being. A form, but what a form. Hmm. What a form. And it works, right? I always tell them, touch your nose, and they all do that. And they don't even think about the complexity of that act that your form can pull that off. Every time I say it, touch your nose and I say it all the time and smash, touch your nose, and they all do that. I'm like, Can you imagine? How kind someone is to think up this form and then just give it away. Okay, you get it. See what you can do with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So those are the th- kind of things that uh, occur in three D. And and you know the objective in the class I tell them the first day is to is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Because we hear that all the time, but we have no idea how to do it. You know That's what I mean. True. It means at the end of the day, you lay down, you're like, boy, I'm wore out from loving God. I'm just so tired. I mean, physically, mentally, emotionally, I'm tired. And so it's just sort of this cliche, you know, that we like to throw around in sermons. But we never, most people never find a way in which they live that life. And making art, if you can get them to see that line is one of the most, Unbelievable concepts ever conceived. And it was. And then it was created. And then it was shared. And there's no limit. You know, you're not getting a line bill at the end of the month called JEA and be like, come here and check my meter. You know, my line bill's out the roof. It's just kindness. It's just utter kindness. And an artist of all people should be aware daily of that relationship and that that creates in them a way in which to be grateful mm-hmm. and to to live a life of continual gratefulness you know and that's a relationship you know don't you like someone to be grateful to you don't you typically yeah 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 and just think if they do it every day boy I'm just so grateful to you Connor I just you know I'm just so thankful I'm just so grateful I mean you'd be like wow you're going to be my best friend. <laughs> yeah. And that's the, yeah. that's the, we always want to work for God. You know, we want to go on a go trip or, you know, we want to, we want to go out and, you know, minister in some way. And we forget the most important rule that Mary forgot, you know, but I mean, Martha forgot, but Mary remembered. And that was, mm. she was just going to be with Jesus. She went, that was her deal. She wanted to have a relationship with Jesus Martha wanted to work, and I took. Trust me, I got a ton of Martha in me. But I, I have to always remind myself that it's the relationship with God that counts. With God, it's that, and I think three D hopefully gives you more and more reasons to have that relationship, that personal relationship, you just you and Him, and nobody else. Yeah. This
1: makes me want to apply that same deconstructing rule to music and break it down
0: to vibrations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What are what are the most basic components? I have no idea. I've never haven't thought in those terms. Mm. So, yeah. Do you apply you apply those concepts consciously to the art that you make now or is it more instinctual at this point? Like if you make a coffee mug, are you thinking, "Okay, what's going on here with line? What's going on here with texture?"
0: Mm-mm. Okay. I'm just hoping to allow the clay to do what it does at its very best, okay. and then it's, I, it, you know, at that, you know, this is this is difficult questioning and answering because I really don't know other than I know. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know, you yeah.
1: just well, and you're talking to someone who's way outside the, you know, the the. Realm of knowledge in this area, so it's. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think the biggest thing today in ceramics is how many how many bells and whistles can you put on this coffee cup, mm. and I.
1: The best logo or the, the yeah, I think, saying, yeah,
0: I think I uh, think I have the exact opposite view. Is how can I remove any sense of the idea that clay needs my assistance to be what it is unbelievably good at being which is beautiful and meaningful yeah Anyway, two different ways to look at it
1: what's your what's your favorite mug and what's it like
0: I would say right now there's a I have an old mug that I got traveling with uh traveling with my wife and daughter one year she we were our other three children had had left the house and were on living you know in lives of their own and uh, i broke it the other day just killed me oh no um i don't i don't know that i have i've i had one that uh, allison Steele, who's now allison benson my daughter-in-law she made when she was here and i actually fell and broke it um you know, I've broken more favorites that I have, probably. Because <laughs> you use them more often. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. you know, your favorites tend to be, you know, at the bottom of the cabinet, and your least favorites are at the top of the cabinet. And um, mm, I don't know. Michael Klein's would be right up there. Uh-huh. I really enjoyed it. I was it. wondering about that. You know, I really enjoyed I used his this morning. Uh-huh. Um, but now I did look at that old mug first. I looked at it, and I, and uh-huh. I actually reached to take it and then I just didn't, you know, and that, those that's what I call when I try to relate to you, put as many things in, in your path in any given day that, that brings meaning to your life. And that's, you know, just reaching to get my coffee cup. I actually almost made the decision to take this one because I really wanted to live with it for the next hour and a half that I was going to be studying and reading my Bible. And it, But then Michael Klein's, I could see the head of it back in the back, and it really went out. I reached back there and pulled it out. Yeah. I was
1: also told to ask you about arches.
0: <laughs> form. And,
1: yeah. Well, again, I mean, this, you know, like before, I don't know the context, you know, of why someone said to ask you about this, but so so form form is involved. Yes. Is is does line have to be straight or can the line be curved?
0: Line can be whatever you want it to be or whatever it is when you see it. You know, it's like asking a cloud: Do you need to be this shape or that? Uh huh. Yeah. Okay you will see as with the shape that it will take, you know, and, and then evolve. Okay. Um, um, I, in my sculpture, I, I, I made a lot of arches. I, I, I thought, felt like the arch was a very sincere form. You know, it served humanity well. Uh. You know the. Uh, The Greeks and Romans, I think the Greeks was basically built on post and lintel, and then the Romans came along and invented the arch, and then there was the pointed arch that made spaces much more, um, much higher. And um, so the arch always was my go-to form for years uh, as a way in which you could, you know, I wasn't going to, I wasn't talking about arches but I knew that that was a way the viewer could be welcomed in because humans really respond to the arch. And uh, so yeah I made a lot of them and um, for just that for just the you, you know you if you have a if you have a good form then then stick with it and and say with it Whatever you need to say, hmm. and allow the form to be that sort of a, that. Um, and I'm sure there's an analogy in music. I don't know what it is, but that that background thing that that you don't actually hear, but you do. It does draw you in uh, to the piece, and I think that's what the arch was for me for years and years. Was uh, it was the f- it was my form of choice that I used in which to talk about all kinds of other things. Okay. Well,
1: they just said to ask you about it, so I have I have
0: done that. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you who these people were after it's <laughs> over.
1: Yeah. Well, I also wanted to ask uh parenting and marriage advice. <laughs> Work hard at it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh I mean, a- I'm a I'm a young father now, so this is all brand new for me.
0: Yeah, this would be a whole nother conversation. I um my parents were great parents you know they 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 didn't have anything they were very um you know they were he was my dad was a pastor my mom was a pastor's wife very difficult position a pastor's wife but you know we just had a rich family we um I don't know. There's some things that I would encourage parents to do, like let your child be free before they go to college. You know, the last six months that they're in their home, let them be completely free, completely free. Don't wake them up. Hmm. Don't take them to college. I mean, school. Don't take them to church. Don't just let them experience absolute freedom while they're under your roof and protection too many students show up at college that's their first taste of freedom yeah. and boy freedom means nothing but total responsibility and most young people are not ready for total responsibility of their lives and, okay
1: that's huge because we hear a lot about freedom yeah. and we don't hear that much about responsibility
0: oh yeah it's like so. uh, that's all freedom is is being completely responsible for you and your actions and I would encourage... all And uh, we read a book, the, the Five Love Languages, that had a huge impact on us, uh, on my wife and me. We read it too late uh, to to apply it, generally speaking. We had done very well. We nailed it with all of them but one. Um, <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I would say that we worked very hard at not... At giving our children the opportunity to live free of their self-image, which is a a paralyzing way in school. You have, you know, school is, you know, it's all in a child's mind. Even a teenager is all about image and living up to the image, the persona of who they want people to think they are. You know, and, I, and I, we told our children often, you know, if you look at people like Michael Jackson and Elvis Presley and people like that, they could not live up to the image of Michael Jackson. It was too big. And so we, we made sure that our children had plenty of opportunities to, to live free of that image. So we would, we, would, we would camp and hike a month out of every year. I think my daughter went to all 50 states by the time. My youngest daughter was at all 50 states before she was 18, Hmm. Um, so, and that was purposeful to give them that opportunity to, and they got, and they would after about three days. It just they just had this transformative experience, and it was so wonderful to see them as they really are, and how.
1: What age range are we talking here?
0: Uh, from the time uh, we first started, when you know they were very young, and and because you know elementary school middle school is it can be terribly difficult for a young Mm -hmm. person to navigate that image you know yeah especially the way media is today you know about how you're supposed to look what you're supposed to say how you're supposed to dress what your hair is supposed to look like what you're supposed to eat what you're supposed to drink but it just pressure of social
1: media oh it just becomes
0: overwhelming this image but if you can place them you know there's not much image in a tent (laughs) you know you get up, you walk out of the tent. You got pillow hair, and and you know you're going to sit on a a stool in front of a fire and and eat breakfast, and then you're going to walk around in the mountains. Nobody's watching, you know. So you lose that self consciousness. That, mm-hmm. So we were very we were very intentional about those two things. I mean, it's. I tell people all the time being having a great marriage is just it's just hard work, but not hard work in like you know cleaning your floorboard in your car, hard work in that boy you want like climbing a mountain you know you you want to do that because you want that experience of climbing that mountain, and that's the way marriage and family is you want to have you want to have a great marriage but most people don't think about it. Most people just want to get married and then but they don't think about do what kind of marriage do I want to have? Do I want a great marriage do I want an average marriage? But if you ask them in class, you know, what kind of what kind of wife you want to marry? That average woman or you want a great woman? They're like, "Oh, I want a great woman." Well, she's probably looking for a great man. <laughs> hmm. You know, a great woman would be looking for a great man and vice versa. And that's you know part of the process you know we're very simple we don't we don't go to movies we we picnic a lot and we hike a lot and uh, we visit a lot we just talk sit around sit around a river <laughs> we're not very complicated
1: Sounds but it like is hard life. work
0: it's you know it's just it's just a it's just I don't know what to tell you. I'll tell you to be a great husband and be a great father, and and your children will tell you later that you did a good job, and your wife will tell you every day whether you're doing a good job or not. Well, I, I she have, should.
1: I I have found so far. I mean, you know, what what personal experience? I don't have a whole lot to speak of, but so far I've noticed that, you know, I there's there's this idea in in our culture that you have to be uh perfect before you get married that it's something to push back until you're like ready but actually in my own experience i have found that it's it's actually in marriage that a lot of the transformation takes place so i uh i have found that it's actually opposite of of what the The culture seems to want to say,
0: "Yeah, nothing prepares you for marriage." Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) There's just no life experience. Go, oh, this is what marriage is gonna be like. Yeah, or now you're ready. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's um, it's just a, you know, it's just getting up every day and really wanting to have a great marriage, Mm. and 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 not getting off of that dime. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm really grateful for you having this conversation with me. Thank you for sitting down and letting me pick your brain a little bit.
0: You're quite welcome. It
1: was an actual pleasure to be here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, signing out.